Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hearts Ablaze. This week, Michaela and I are so excited to share with you a conversation that I got to have with Claire McCallan. Claire is a spoken word artist and author whose work focuses on the intersection of virtue and adventure. She is the creator and host of Letters to the Least, a podcast that features her original poetry, and she now creates art with St. Joseph's Home for Artisans in Boston. In this episode, she talks to us about how her work has been impacted by the concept of the feminine genius and how living a gritty, rugged lifestyle makes her a better artist and disciple of Jesus. Finally, at the end of the episode, she reads us the introduction to Mangers, her new book coming out this Advent, which I personally am super excited for. Claire and I had such a fruitful conversation, and we hope that you all really enjoy this episode and that it helps you prepare for the season of Advent. Probably, I think my freshman year of college when I was um, at West Point as a plebe doing a ruck march in preparation for our air assault training, I was like walking up a hill and I think my my roommate was with me and she was listening to um, worship music. And I just loved that combination of having like the worship music and like the gritty physical intensity of like striding up a hill with weight on your back and just thinking about like the cross and I was like I think there's something to do with like the sacramental nature of Catholicism too where there's a C.S. Lewis quote where it's like man understands that he's an animal as well as a spiritual being so what he does physically affects him spiritually and I just love that connection and I love how you talked about it in a lot of different ways and really with a good balance between like giving grace to yourself, but then also learning discipline. So yeah, that was like really what made me want to have you on. I also like saw a lot of your great prayers that you've written. Um, and I may or may not be asking my mom for stations for Christmas. So <laughs> I'm <Wow>. super excited. <laughs> you don't even need to worry about asking for stations. You can ask her for the Christmas book that comes out in a week. What? I know this will be the first place I ever mentioned it by the time oh my gosh out, I think by the time this episode airs mangers will be out so it's mangers it's my second book and it's in a similar format to stations 28 <sighs> stories that tell the nativity story in a modern non-linear way gosh I love that I love advent so much like advent is my season and um yeah so before we get off on too many more <laughs> tangents I'll kind of like roll through our basic introduction. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and um, kind of your faith background as well. Totally. So my name is Claire McKellen. I am a spoken word poet. Maybe some people are more familiar with the term slam poetry. I do that. Um, I am an author, and I'm the creative director here at St. Joseph's Home for Artisans which is currently the only operational Catholic arts residency in the United States. We're here in Boston. I have six roommates. They're all artists and we live in community and we create for ourselves, for each other and um, for the local church, St. Leonard's that sponsors us and the North End community where we live. Uh, In my free time, I like to run. I do Pilates. I do yoga. I like to gosh, I like to just hang out with my roommates. I can't believe how much I just like to hang out with my roommates. I'm, I will say that I am right now the happiest I've ever been in my life. I, a lot of old hard work paid off now. It's about four years of delayed gratification and it's just super beautiful. I'm here in my living room right now, which is like one of my favorite places in the world. Um, yeah, I love it. I love living in Boston. I love living with my best friends. I love that I get to do what I do. Uh, My faith background, I am a cradle Catholic. My parents are um, traditional Latin masters. So I grew up, we switched to that around fourth grade. Uh, It's beautiful, beautiful form of worship. It's not what stuck with me for the rest of my life, but I am of course still a practicing Catholic. Um, I went to Franciscan University. So I really learned a lot there and was formed really well there. Um, And then continued to be formed in a very different, but probably even more important way while serving with the missionaries of charity in Calcutta. 
I moved to New York City, definitely had my faith tested there for a while, um, lost parts of it only to be given the opportunity to regain it back better later, I think. And yeah, now I'm here in Boston getting to merge faith and art, which is just like the best job in the world. I tell everyone I write about the intersection of virtue and adventure. So it's like, how can I live this dynamic, exciting, risk-taking, one-in-a-million youth without hurting myself or others? And so that's kind of my purpose. Mm. Yeah, love that. So I have to ask, since you're in Boston, are you a Bruins Mm -hmm. fan? I gosh, you know, friends were just joking about that the other day. We had a party last night and a guy, there was a Red Sox game playing behind me. And I, he was like, how's it going? And I was like, oh, the socks, like, just like talking BS, you know? And he's like, yeah, when I think Claire, I think sports. Like, oh, like Bruins, Claire, Celtics, Claire. And everyone's making fun of me. He's like, I do not, I wouldn't even, if you took me to a hockey game, I wouldn't even know where to look. I think the ice, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't know. I grew up playing sports. I played every sport growing up. It just, it never stuck. And I get it. I grew up to be in the arts. So that's usually how it goes. People, it's kind of one or the other for most people. Um, I mean, if I was forced to choose a hockey team, I'd choose the Bruins because they're here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just ask like, so I don't know. I'm kind of like a wannabe sports fan. Like I'm really terrible at keeping up with all the statistics, but the biggest Uh thing is like the commentators will be talking about some player and I'll be like, oh, I've heard my brother say that name. Like I recognize (laughs) that person. Therefore I know about sports. (laughs) Oh. Sports for me are kind of like certain Netflix shows. Like I can't watch anything with violence. I'm really, really mm. sensitive to it. Um, but I still want to be like included in conversations. So like that Squid Game that came out recently. Like I, I know I can't watch it. Like I know I'll have nightmares. It's so pretty read, gory. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So I read all of the episode recaps online so mm-hmm. that I can like be in conversations about it. So that's what I feel about sports too. Like I don't want to watch it, but I'd like to be included in like the conversation and cultural aspect. Yeah. No, I totally feel that, especially like growing up, football was like the big thing for my family. My dad, my brothers would all like gather around to watch it. And yeah, I don't know. I'm like terrible at keeping up with it, but I still get really excited about it. Like I got Mm -hmm. um, the whole Disney plus ESPN plus package so that I could watch hockey, especially like when my husband's not here because he's not really into it. He grew up in the South. Like he doesn't really follow, but I just, I get so into it when I do actually keep up with it. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's sports for me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I did play hockey growing up actually. So that's part of why I get into it. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah, it's super fun. So then what does a typical day in your life look like with being part of the, um, the Catholic arts residency in Boston? Yeah. The big joke is like, I am living the life of like either like a moneyed socialite or a retiree, which obviously I am neither like don't have age on my side, don't have money on my side, but it's just (laughs) the way that life is working out right now. And obviously I, so a day to day, we'll start. Okay. I wake up around 540. I go to Pilates 6am and then I go watch the sunrise because I'm just the luckiest girl in the world. And I live two blocks from the Harbor here. And it's just the most beautiful sunrises you'll ever see over sailboats. There's birds flying by Logan airports in the distance. You see people taking off. I just watch it and I cry and I'm like, people are going to go see their families. Like such a baby. I think I'm just tired in the morning, you know, (laughs) got my coffee, just enjoying it. Um, so I get up really early and then I come home by the time I'm home, my roommates are up and it's just a really nice time for us to gather, do coffee and breakfast in the living room. Um, like I said, they're not just roommates. These are my best friends. So like if somebody's in bed, I just kind of go jump on them and it's just a really sweet time of life, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I get on it. So these last couple months have been focused on getting this book out into the world and so for me writing so much so quickly really required a lot of focus and unfortunately like I'm someone who's very dependent on my physical space so if I'm here in my house and nobody's watching me I will just 
I don't even know what I do. I'm watching like cute animal videos. I'm talking to my cousin on the phone for hours. Like I do not accomplish anything. So I got a um, museum membership to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum here. And so during the days I go there, it's amazing. It's $50 for the entire year. So I go there, she has these gorgeous gardens, these art exhibits, and I just kind of immerse myself in the quiet and in the beauty there. And I do my writing there for a couple hours. Come home. Um, yeah, my life, I'm not going to lie. Like it just, it sounds, I, I swear I'm someone who has put a lot of work in to get to like this really cushy part of life. It's like, sometimes I have podcast interviews, yeah. <laughs> um, different, I, I, yeah, a lot of fun little things that I get to do, like the promotional aspects for St. Joseph's, because as we're new into the world, people want to hear about it. So it's a lot of, um, getting to talk to different Catholic magazines and publications about what we do. Um, I do a couple other freelance projects. I write the magazine for Little Catholic Box, et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh. I tour. oh, you know Little Catholic Box? Yeah, I was just looking at them actually for Christmas gifts. Because, um, yeah, yeah um, I think I heard about them on another podcast. They did like a promo. So, yeah. 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 And then um, I have a new show that I'll start touring with. So I've had two North American spoken word poetry tours and I'll do my third one um, starting in the spring. And for the winter, I have art residencies. So I'm not totally sure where I'll be in January, uh, kind of waiting for some final confirmation on that. But in February, I have an art residency in Iceland. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that's super cool. So a lot of things have been happening to prep for that. So each day is a little bit different, which I'm definitely someone who needs that. Um, while trying to learn how to bring in this structure of like, like the most important part of my day is the fact that I go to Pilates at 6am. Cause if that doesn't happen, nothing else happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I talked to um, my friend who I was in discipleship with at school. And I think I told her like the two things I need to keep me from just like wigging out and getting overwhelmed with my day is I need to pray and I need to exercise. 100%. Yeah. And even if it's just like a five minute meditation on hallow and mm -hmm. then a Peloton or something, like mm -hmm. if I get that, I'm grounded and like my physical energy is directed positively and all of that. 1000%. And that's why after I finish the class, when I go straight to the water and it's like sunrise, like that's just like the experience is prayer. Does that make sense? I yeah. just look at it and it's just like, it's, it's hard to look at a sunrise and not have it become like just this full bodied prayer experience. Yeah. I totally agree with everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, that's why the early Christians like prayed to the East, right? Or they, they mm -hmm. built ch churches at Orientum mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super cool. So then Claire, obviously you're a poet, but maybe you can mm -hmm. like flesh out a little bit what it is that you think um, you bring to the body of Christ that God uses in a special way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think I was just thinking about this the other day because I was just writing stuff. Um, I don't think that I've ever been like the smartest person in the room or the most talented person in the room. I didn't get my degree in writing. I didn't realize I wanted to do it until after I graduated. So I don't have any training. My grammar sucks. My spelling's not that great either. Uh, I think that my superpower is that I really do believe that people are good. And because I think they're so good, I think their stories are worth telling, you know, ordinary people. Um, and I think that even the nasty people I encounter, like before we started recording, I was telling you a story about one of my neighbors, like, do I actually think she's like a bad person? No, I think she's probably lonely and scared. I think most people are lonely and scared right now. But um, I think they're good. And I think that my favorite thing about myself that I bring to the table is that I see that and I'm willing to fight for that, whether it be creatively or just in my life. Yeah, I love that. It's awesome. I know one thing I really liked about your poetry, and we'll talk about this a little bit more with the individual poems, but I feel like you cover... I don't know if it's like honesty or breadth or what it is, but it's like you capture all the different textures of the human heart because in your poetry, I find a level of softness and a level of grit that I see in myself and that we're sometimes told are contradictory. Um, 
like for example in high school I told my calculus teacher I was thinking about um, going to West Point joining the military and also I'm a twin sister I have a twin sister I am a twin <laughs> twin sister um, and she was also uh, taking that same class different like time period but same class um, and we told her that we were both thinking about joining the military or, or I told her on my own and she said, oh, well, I could see that for your sister, but you're just so artsy. Like, I don't know if I could really see that. And I was like, have you never heard of like Ernest Hemingway, Siegfried Sassoon, like the warrior poets? Like, I, I don't know, the Iliad, like, right. <laughs> where these guys will literally like spout off a poem about the person they're about to stab. Like, right. I don't, I don't know. Like, so anyway, that tangent is to say like, I, I felt very seen in your poetry and maybe like you see the good in people, but I also feel like you really see people like their whole selves. And I think that's super special. Thank you for saying that. Um, so how has God sort of surprised you by your calling or your vocation? What have been some kind of like bends in the road? <laughs> I mean, so I have a business degree, but my passion for like almost 10 years was politics. Mm -hmm. um, super, super, super far right-wing politics, um, which is just funny because now I'm just like such a softie, just kind of rolling through life, <laughs> you know, like crying at my sunrise. It's like, I would not have lasted much longer in D.C., <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I will just say like, this is not a political statement at all. I just think to be um, on the extreme and either side is a really, it's a hard place to work and to live. You know, you always have to be angry about something. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I did that for a really long time. Like I started when I was 15 <laughs> um, and everybody knew me for that. And I was a very, very uptight person, um, just kind of always clenched up a little bit. And yeah, like I was walking around campus in like little pantsuits in college and stuff, student government girl, like really into it, just a very different person, very judgmental person, um, very ambitious, probably not super afraid to step on people, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had a loss in our family my senior year of college that just like, and this is just kind of how I always express it to people. I just sort of lost my marbles for a year. You know, I just, it's weird. I don't know if you've ever experienced like a large loss, but like, I don't remember most of that year, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think I've tricked myself into thinking that I remember more of it than I do just because pictures will do that for you. Uh, but I just, I just kind of lost it and I barely graduated because I was like not passing my classes. Um, I lost a bunch of friendships, most of which needed to be lost, but it was still sucked. And like, I just didn't, if I could go back, I would have handled it better, but I just was not in a good place. Um, um, I stopped going to church, et cetera, et cetera. I graduated with just no purpose, no idea what I wanted to do. I guess I had started to write a little bit at that time, but I just kind of bounced around to, to so it was my cousin who passed away and I went and lived with his family for the summer after I graduated to just kind of be with his sister and kind of try to heal as a team. And then I moved out to LA and I was working for a friend's family's construction company. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I got the invitation from a, a college friend to go to Calcutta. And I literally, so I had nothing else going on in my life. There was nowhere for me to go. There was nowhere for me to stay. There was like, it was like, why not? It wasn't even that I was like, oh, I've always wanted to go to India or like, oh, I have a devotion to Mother Teresa. I was like, I have nothing else going on. Like, let's just go. Mm -hmm. And my time in Calcutta really changed my life for, for the rest of my life. You know, um, it changed my heart. It softened me in a permanent way. Um, and it showed me what I want to write about and how I want to write and how I want to live my life and it changed everything I moved to New York for the next couple of years um because that was kind of the only place in the world that you could start a career in poetry in my opinion mm -hmm. and yeah the rest is sort of history but I guess my story like most stories is you know the story of redemptive suffering and how the best thing comes from the worst thing
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Of course. Um, with all your experience, kind of the different journeys you've gone through with like mindset, with the church, experiencing different church communities, even all around the world. Um, what is something you wish we talked about more in the church? And like, we want to clarify when we say that um, we mean generally like the the vocal church community, obviously not like what is a doctrine that we don't have that you think we should right, like, not right, like that, right. but like, what is something that is part of God's revelation to his church that we don't talk about enough? Right. I wish that we preached the idea of like radical softness more, mm. you know? Um, and just, it's so simple. Like it's literally the most basic thing. I was thinking about it this morning, but like, we just don't talk about turning the other cheek enough everyone is so scared and so defensive right now. Like I completely understand why, like, unless you're able to completely block yourself out from the news and everything, like, it's just, it's, I understand why it's scary, but we're so, we walk around with our guards up and our defenses up and just like, I do, I look around and I think it's, people are getting harder just because it's just fear. They don't want to be like that. It's not a easy way to live. It's so much harder to live with a, like tough exterior but I just I wish we could convince people that it's better to be soft that it's better to allow yourself to cry to weep openly like Jesus you know to just feel it all and not be scared of the pain or the anxiety around you mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, sorry, there's something else I was going to say, and I don't remember, but that's, that's the gist of it. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we can obviously, like, get more into specifics as we go mm -hmm. through some of the poems, but. Um, oh, I do, I actually remember the last thing I was going to say, which is that I think we really, 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 and we should, it's important, we need to take a holistic approach, but I think we really focus on sins of the flesh, you know, and we act mm -hmm. like those are the ultimate evil and I just wish we could pay a little bit more attention to like sins of the heart and soul of like holding this resentment and this hatred and this fear towards our fellow man mm -hmm. yeah I think growing up I think I thought the only way like the only mortal sins were like murdering someone and then anything to do with sex right exactly, <laughs> exactly. and I just yeah, I, I feel like I probably still need a little catechesis on like what else it is, but it's like you can feel when you've been gossiping to the point where your relationship with God is just dead mm -hmm. because Absolutely. you've been killing other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like 100% holding resentment, holding jealousy. Um, th those are big ones that just like exactly they are killing someone but mostly they're killing you you yeah. know and just totally separating you from yeah yeah for sure yeah totally agree with that um so then kind of getting into the more specific questions on your poetry um so in your podcast series where you shared a bit about your poems like you shared the poems but then you also expounded upon them a little bit talked a little bit about maybe the writing process or what you were going through at the time when you wrote them um you described them as sort of excerpts from your prayer journal so mm -hmm. can you just describe a little bit what that process looks like for you like is is it you pray before and then you go into writing or it's all kind of one thing. Um, and obviously it's gonna vary based on the situation or if it's a specific assignment or something you just decided to do, but just give us a general glance at what that process looks like for you. You know, I liken it for people to um, to pregnancy, which is really interesting because I've never been pregnant, never had a baby, uh, but there is so much that is similar. And I just think that's interesting as creative women um, which women are inherently creative, everyone is, but like we are built in this special and unique way for men in that we have a womb built into us. We have this empty creative space built into our very physical nature. And I feel that I have my physical womb, but I also feel like I have this emotional, spiritual, creative womb within me. And when 
there is an inspiration, which I do believe comes from God when I allow it to. When I take an inspiration from man, for myself, the poems come out, well, not good. Uh, it's the pop music equivalent of poetry. <laughs> when I allow the inspiration to come from beauty and from God, and I feel it, like, this is about to get really theology of the body, kind of weird wording, but like, it like impregnates you with purpose and with creativity and you feel it grow within your womb and you kind of become like swollen and full of this idea and you can feel it growing and it's like forcing, it's kicking, it's pushing, it's, it's pressing down in your bladder. It is like, you have to get it out. And for me with the poems that I feel really proud of and really grateful to have gotten a chance to write and deliver, um, they are demanding to be written. You know, keeping it inside would not be good. Um, and so sooner or later, it's it's delivery time. It's go, baby. <laughs> Just like a baby, like they hurt when they come out. You know, you really have to push it. And a lot of times it's like, I don't want to do this right now. Like, it's like, you know, like, oh, I have the idea. Like it has to come out right now. But it's like, oh, but I want to go party with my friends. Like I want to watch a movie, you know, all of these things. Um and you just get it out. And usually like there are tears involved, <laughs> you know, like it's a very emotional process. And then once I have it on paper, I feel just so much better. The catharsis of the process and being able to see what was brewing inside of me out in front of me and have it like, it is just like a very, very maternal experience for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've written some poetry. I, <laughs> And I know there's a lot of different thoughts on like, oh, if, if you write, then you're a writer. And uh, and it's like, yeah, but it's it's usually like every few weeks I might like scribble something down. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like probably handful of times, like I think I can probably count on one hand the times when I've written something that really like meant something. And even like going with the theology of the body thing, it's like it didn't just come from me. Like, you know, a, a baby's DNA is half the father. And right. like, yeah. And I look back on things that I'm written, I'm like, what? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely follow that analogy. Um, have you read the book, The Read of God? Mm-mm. It's really good. I think you would like it a lot. So it's, it was written by Carol Houselander, I think in the 40s, like, like during World War II or directly after World War II, that like C.S. Lewis time frame, you know, um, and Carol Houselander is such a cool lady, such a cool writer. Um, the way that she talks about Mary really helped me to kind of rethink my relationship with her because I feel like I had always seen Mary through men's eyes, if that makes sense, because we... Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's great. Like you hear Louis de Montfort, John Paul II talk about Mother Mary, Maximilian Kolbe, and it's great and it's beautiful the way they look at her. But like the way a knight looks at his warrior queen, it's going to be different from the way her chambermaid looks at her. Mm. And yeah, and so like learning to see Mary like through my own like feminine eyes and seeing how she could be an example for me was really cool. And this tangent is to say that I I follow that analogy of having that creative space because Carol Houselander talks about how we're all called to be like Mary in a sense that we're all called to bear Christ into the world, um, in a sense to be like little pixes, um, you, you know, like a pix, like the container for the Eucharist when you bring it to mm-hmm. like a sick person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah. So it's, it's a really beautiful. good book. Definitely recommend. I've raved about it on the podcast before. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, so then going into kind of the theme for the episode, uh, there was a specific set of poems you covered on rugged femininity. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk more about like why you chose that specific phrase and what that set of poems means to you in light of your Catholicism and femininity? Yeah, I mean, I think when I think of the rugged femininity um episode and I you'll have to forgive me because I've never listened to the podcast I don't consume my own work I think that would be like a very clear sign of narcissism <laughs> so like people will reference stuff and I'm like I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um, but what comes to mind and I believe is on that episode there's a particular poem about my best friend and I 
sitting down on some concrete in Florida. It was a really hot day a couple summers ago and our butts start sweating like crazy, our butts and our thighs. And we leave the biggest like sweat marks on this concrete. And we were like with people, it was super embarrassing. And this is just a true story that was put into poetry. Um, And we just had a conversation because her and I, my best friend, Miriam, and she's a cool girl. She has a shaved head. She has an entire sleeve of tattoos. She's covered in piercing. She lives in her car. She does wilderness therapy for teens out in Utah. Like she's a cool girl. Um, we'll never be the quintessential idea of a Catholic woman. And that's so stupid that that's even a thing that it would have anything to do with aesthetics. Um, and I definitely have talked about that before, maybe on the podcast, maybe other places, um, just kind of this homogenization of the ideal Catholic woman. It's really bizarre. Why would it have a look to it? You know, uh, cause it's not about anything external, Uh, But that is just so not us and trying to place ourselves and figure out who we are in all of this. Because I do think sometimes even like the term Marian has gotten co-opted into this hyper aesthetically feminine look, uh, which there's nothing wrong with. I love that. I do that sometimes, you know, but then other times. I'm running a marathon, so I do need to wear leggings, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> very controversial, but when I'm running a marathon, I do. Yeah. Uh, and when I look at her and I, it's exactly what you were speaking about earlier about that balance of grit and femininity and like, look at the act of childbirth. It's right there. It's written into our nature. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievably feminine and receptive, but also uh really tough and really hard and it's not gonna work if you are not full of grit and might and strength um yeah Yeah. I would prefer back to the way we were physically created in that yeah what's like the I I don't watch Game of Thrones but I've seen in like feminist circles online this meme get thrown around of Arya Stark saying like women see more blood than men and it's like well (laughs) she's not wrong Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, No, I, I totally love that. And I love that, um, how you guys kind of burst into an impromptu litany of saints who like would have had to have sweated or not been Mm -hmm. the size two made up hair curled speaker at a Catholic conference. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Something, I don't know, something that, I see or or that I've seen in kind of some of the fitness accounts that I follow is um well so one in particular Alyssa Olenek so she's a power lifter and an ultra marathon runner and you wouldn't think that those two things could coexist but she (laughs) talks about it a lot and like yeah you have to like decrease your training on one to really excel at the other but like ultimately you can have harmony and progress in both um but specifically she talks about kind of the bs messages that women get through the fitness industry Mm. um so this is all like secular but still addressing some problems that i think carry over because the church adopts things from the culture and they're not all good um and one thing she was talking about specifically is like it's cool that muscular women are now in vogue but like that's not the point like the like strength doesn't have to be beautiful it can be mm-hmm. but like that's not the point of being strong like you're not there to be consumed by someone you're there to actively help someone 100% and you know I've just been looking around me and seeing a lot of women I have friendships with relationships with there's like a a real insecurity crisis among, I'll just say for this young Catholic and Christian women. Um, You know, once a week I ask people how their love lives are doing on Instagram. I get all of these responses. I can see what people are going through and people are feeling really insecure. And I get that being a girl is hard. You have all of the billion dollar industries trying to increase and play on your insecurities and especially if you're a catholic woman in her mid or late 20s 30s 40s whatever you're also getting this message of like why aren't you married why don't you have kids like i I, a lot of people are bearing down on those 
anything in securities. But what I just keep trying to communicate to these girls is like, if you set goals and structure for yourself, your insecurities and therefore the desperation that it causes will slowly start to recede and you will get on top of it. If you become the type of person who keeps promises to themselves and keeps promises to others, you will have confidence. And I think physical exercise that we talked about earlier is a phenomenal way to get there. Um, Yeah, setting those goals, like running your first 5K, learning to, like moving from the five pounds to the 10 pound weights is an experience that I wish for everyone in this life, you know? I'm not always there yet, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, if girls had that opportunity or even knew that that's what they, they're told it's like, oh, like if you lose weight, you'll be confident. If you clear your skin up, if you get your hair done this way, like if the guy likes you, it's all these external things. And it's not about like, yeah, what they're doing to keep promises to themselves. And if you know that you're a a woman of integrity who delivers, you're going to have confidence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I guess going back to where I mentioned to my like my pre-calculus teacher had said, oh, I couldn't see you being in the military. You're so artsy. And that didn't make sense to me or maybe, I mean, maybe it did at the time, but looking back on it, I'm like, that's such a like false dichotomy. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you think like ruggedness and artistry kind of meet? Like how does, how does one actually feed into the other? Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any way, like, I don't think you can be a comfortable artist and a good artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that you can be like, you it, to create something beautiful, you have to be hungry. You have to feel the ache. Um, so I've tried it before the last year and a half. I lived in a very comfortable situation. I wanted for nothing. Um, and I wasn't really creating the way I needed to because the the ache was cushioned and covered by not having to pay rent, um, being able to eat anything I wanted, being able to travel, feeling financially secure. And these are all good things, but uh, yeah, I think for me, my relationship with poetry and with art is literally just, it's as of right now, it's the great love of my life. And like you would for any great love, I just believe that the right thing to do is to sacrifice everything for it. <laughs> um, not to the point of destroying my mental or physical health, but to completely commit myself and sacrifice for it every single day in small and large ways. And yeah, that requires grit. I mean, <laughs> you are, your listeners won't be able to see it, but I love my home. I already talked about how much I love my home, uh, but I'm looking right now at like some live electrical wire that are sticking out there's a huge patch of tile that's missing and that's my fault I did that by accident the other day um the closet with all of our toiletries got dead bolted behind us somehow uh there's molds there's bugs like but that's because we're choosing it you know it, it's love you choose the thing you love and it's a gritty wonderful rewarding experience that has allowed all of us to be prolific in a way that we wouldn't be otherwise yeah Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's something to talking about, like problematic things from the culture that can sometimes bleed over into the church, although maybe a little bit less so, at least explicitly with this one, like seeking comfort or seeking to like insulate yourself from struggle and suffering. um, That kind of stifles you creatively. Like there is a link, I think, to the discomfort and the creativity So something that I've thought about a lot is there's this quote by Benjamin Franklin where he says, either write things worth reading or do things worth writing about. Mm -hmm. And I think my thought was always like, why not both? And I think one actually leads into the other, right? And, And Chesterton kind of writes about that. Like after he goes and roasts Nietzsche, he kind of talks about like, first of all, Nietzsche's not even a good writer. Secondly, he didn't live an interesting life. And maybe there was a connection there. And he talks about the same with Tolstoy. And then he compares him to Joan of Arc, who was an illiterate farm girl, but her story 
has captivated so many people. One thousand percent. I always think that is like is what it comes down to where I'm like, am I living a life worth writing about? And that's why it's so important. You and I were talking earlier about like, oh, you seem like a type of person who talks to strangers. And it's like, yeah, I do. Cause strangers have amazing stories and strangers are just characters waiting to be put on the page. And everyone deserves to have their story told in some way. Cause it's all interesting. It's all beautiful. It's all like, if the divine author thought it was worth telling with the gift of life, like I definitely have to get it down on paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it requires you, like, if you want to write, the first thing you have to do is take your headphones out. Because hmm. if you have your headphones in, you're going to saturate yourself with sound to the point where you numb yourself and you're not feeling, you're not thinking, like, inspiration and creativity come in the quiet. There's space for that too, like, go see something that inspires you, but you really need to allow for the quiet. And also, like, you're going to need to talk to people. You're going to need to overhear things. You're going to need to experience life in a really sensitive manner. Um, mm. So the number one thing you got to do, take your headphones out and just start smiling at people because they'll talk to you. People want to talk. People are lonely. People want to talk. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably like some of my best writing has come either. I'm like driving and it's quiet and it's like, it's not a mentally taxing task. It's like um, almost like a boiling pot. Like all the things can kind of like bubble to the surface um and you can kind of like skin them and start to gather um or it's been like times when the internet's out and I can't just like binge a show yeah um, yeah so I actually yeah, have Netflix, Netflix is killing our creativity and I'm mm-hmm. using listen before we got on the phone <laughs> and after we get on the phone I'm gonna continue to binge this Disney plus episode that my friend Madison told me about but it's one of those things where I feel really okay about it because it is true, good, and beautiful. It's on Disney+, mm-hmm. Plus. a mega plug for it, I've been watching it all morning. It's called The Mysterious Benedict Society. Yeah, I've seen stuff about that. It's gorgeous. I cannot, I know, here's the thing, I'm only two episodes in, so, like, maybe something awful is going to happen, like, really, like, against our faith, and I'm sorry if that's happening. If it happens on episode three, I didn't know about it, but this is, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I trust Madison. Um, it is so beautiful and so timely, and so I, I think, yeah, when we do saturate ourselves with those things, asking ourselves, does this meet the transcendentals? Is it true, good, and beautiful? Otherwise, you shouldn't be watching it. It's not going to make you better. It's not going to make your work better. Yeah, that's true. You shared a whole post, I think a few days ago, about like six things that are killing your inspiration or something. I was like, oof, I do like all of those. (laughs) I know, me too. Yeah, but I I totally resonated with each one of them. So it's like, yeah, I've I've seen the times where I've been like forcibly deprived of these things and mm-hmm. I've actually had the space to kind of reflect on like you said, the story that the father is trying to tell. Um well and that's what that's why I believe in what we're doing here at St. Joe's so much of having an art residency where we say that we're giving them a resource-rich, resource, resource rich, distraction-low environment. So by taking them out of their hometowns and bringing them here, you're not around your friends anymore. Like, you'll be friends with us. You'll get to hang out with us. But you're going to have way more alone time than you used to. You're in a new place. Everything's going to feel really vibrant and new and interesting, inspiration-wise. Um, and for me, I'm the only one. We, we had a whole argument about this. I was like, let's not have any Wi-Fi in the house. Everyone was like, that's too much. Mm. But the Wi-Fi in the end, God gave me what I wanted in a way because the Wi-Fi doesn't reach my room. So there's no more late nights on God knows what, Netflix, Instagram, whatever I want. And it's been so healthy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I think I've really been enjoying just having like the hollow sleep meditations. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I can actually just like close my eyes and have it playing gently in the background, but it's something it, it's not, I'm not consuming it. Um, it's actually like calming me down. It's familiar and restful. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Before we kind of close out with our recommendations, I was wondering, do you have any poems that you'd um, like to or be willing to share with us? Oh, sure. Um, you know, it really fits um, everything we're talking about. Do you mind if I read you the introduction from my new book? Because it really fits everything we talked about today. 
Yes, absolutely. That would be amazing. And all like 30 of our listeners will be super into it, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) It's a very prestigious premiere here, guys. Heck yeah. Um, we all start off with 30 listeners. So it's a good, it's a good place to be doing the work is a good place to be. Right. Absolutely. All right. So here it is the introduction for the new book. Writing this book was one of the most exquisitely painful things that I've ever forced or allowed myself to do. I believe that in order to create something truly beautiful, you need to enter into what my dear friend and editor of this book, Fiona Cuisino, refers to as the thin space. Chances are, dear friend, you've lived in a space before, most likely against your own will. You know you're in the thin space when sunrises make you cry and old memories make you sputter out long suppressed giggles, even though the moment is now long gone. Here in the gossamer web that holds you, you find that colors seem brighter, music more intoxicating, and beauty altogether more cutting. I'm sure that someone much brighter than I could explain this phenomenon with science or religion or whatever they like to use to make themselves feel in control. But for me, the thin space is accessed through quiet. When I remove almost all stimulation, alcohol, movies, music, and the majority of my social life, the void my stimuli left ushers in a wave of newfound sensitivity, especially to the transcendentals. This space, this way of life is exquisitely beautiful in a painful and unsustainable kind of way. Perhaps it's just my own weakness, but I can't stay this sensitive for that long. Not in our world, not the way it is right now. It just hurts too much. Even the really good stuff, especially the really good stuff. I finished this book today on what I consider to be one of the best days of my life. It was a day spent bounding through the woods, heaping seconds onto my plate, and laughing so hard I peed myself. Here on the last day of writing, on my last day in the thin space, I let the raw beauty of being alive have its way with me in my tender heart. It's also worth mentioning that today happens to be the five-year anniversary of what I consider one of the worst days of my life thus far. Five years ago, I was in a very different kind of thin space, involuntarily so. In the face of loss, I was feeling the same acute pains of being close to Christ, but just in a different way. Ironically, I thought that in my deepest moments of pain, what I was feeling was separation from him. I see now, though, that in my grief, I was confused. In total suffering, in that thin space, I had never been closer to him. If I had just thought to reach out, I may have even been able to touch him. I hope that this book serves as an invitation to that same space, especially as we enter into the Advent season. I only ask that you read it in a way that makes sense to you and your heart and that you fill up its margins with all of the paper thin parts of yourself as well. I'm so grateful and humbled to share this with you. Thank you, Claire. There you have it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Of course. Yeah. Again, I, I really think you would love the read of God because where you talked about the void leaves space for a newfound sensitivity. Um, Carol Hauslander kind of talks about that with Mary and with the concept of virginity and not like not even physical virginity per se, but like why it's not spiritually irrelevant that Mary was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, yeah, it's it's more about like what we talked about, about the womb itself and having a space, mm-hmm. um, space for relationship with God, space for relationship with others and yeah like you said creating a newfound sensitivity it's like there's there's room for growth of new life there so that's super cool thanks so much for sharing I'm super excited to read mangers um that's gonna be my recommendation for this episode um yeah (laughs) check out mangers by Claire um Claire where can people find that um my Instagram, which I'm assuming will link in promotional stuff for this, will be okay. really easy to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Will it be like a link tree in the bio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And then uh, another thing I'll recommend is that fitness account that I shared um, by this gal, Alyssa Lenick. So her fitness account is called Little List Fitness, although she's actually kind of transitioning to a new brand, The List Method. Um, but yeah, if you just look up Alyssa Lenick, 
Um, she's getting her PhD in metabolic studies. Um, she's super well versed on physiology and is debunking a lot of BS messages that women get told about their bodies. She has a podcast where she shares about stuff like that, but also about things like boundary setting and finding, you know, harmony as opposed to maybe balance um, when it comes to pursuing different goals in different seasons of life. Um, so I really get a lot out of her content and definitely recommend giving her a follow. Nice. What do you have to recommend for us, Claire? So it can be anything you want. What do you want? You want books? You want books, movies? It can be food, Starbucks, <laughs> like really anything that's. Well, I've already, I've already suggested this Benedict Society TV show for kids like me. Absolutely. Um, recently finished uh it took an unbelievable long time because i was moving but recently finished uh a gentleman in moscow beautifully mm -hmm. written book um i recommend i know yeah, i've already said it but i just can't stop recommending waking up early <laughs> um and my favorite breakfast right now is i chop up sweet potatoes and i roast them and then i put an over easy egg on it with a little bit of like this creamy hot sauce i get at this place near my apartment and it's just been my favorite breakfast lately. Yeah, that does sound good. I used to not like it's sweet really potatoes, good. but then mm -hmm. I think I was just like undercooking them or something because they take a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And roasting them sounds super good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Claire. It's so great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was really nice. And um, where can people find you? Yeah. Um, easiest way to find me, I've got claremccallan.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-M-C-C-A-L-L-A-N.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Claire underscore McCallan, or you can find out more about our art residency at St. Joseph's Home for Artisans.com. All right. We'll be sure to link those in the show notes. Um, Thank thanks so much. much for sharing. Yeah, we, we hope we have you on again sometime, maybe to talk about like friendships, because I know you have a lot of great thoughts about those and um, just authentic relationships. And um, but yeah, definitely give Claire a follow. Um, her Friday shares about people's love lives are always super edifying. So I get a lot out of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll let you go, girl. Have a good day. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one.